Hello, everyone, and welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Jenna Konar, and you're listening to Employment Notebook, where we explore various topics related to employment and the workplace. Today, we're talking about why your job is making you unhealthy. To learn more about how workplaces can take a physical toll on your body and what steps you can take to avoid unhealthy habits in your office, we're speaking with Samantha Lippiat. Samantha is the co-founder and managing director of Health & Fitness Travel, an international company offering tailor-made luxury wellness travel worldwide. Thanks for joining me today, Samantha. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. So speaking specifically of office jobs or your traditional desk job, we know that these type of jobs can take a physical toll on our bodies. How exactly do they take a toll on our bodies? The thing is with office jobs, in particular desk jobs, is that they are, they're very taxing on the body because we end up sitting for about 80% of the day. We have little to no activity. We're sitting in a fixed position, often with bad posture. You know, and we sort of complement that, and I sort of use that term loosely, but we complement that by eating poorly and consuming caffeine and just repeating that daily. It's really not good for our well-being. And so a few of the things I know you've mentioned in articles that you've written One of the things specifically about office jobs that can have an impact on our body is the long periods of sitting, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So what type of physical impact does this have on our bodies? So when we sit for long periods, uh, the electrical activity in the body, it drops in the muscles, leading to a whole range of harmful metabolic effects. Your calorie burning rate plunges immediately. Insulin effectiveness drops within a single day. And the risk of developing type 2 diabetes rises. So does the risk of being obese. The enzymes responsible for breaking down fat in the bloodstream drop, which in turn causes the levels of good cholesterol to fall. It's all very bad for your health. Right. And one of the things that can contribute to this too is office equipment maybe not working correctly, such as unsupportive chairs or maybe the fluorescent lighting or desks that are not at the right height. How does this also affect your health in a negative way? Well, you know, most of us didn't even own a personal computer or a desktop or a laptop until about a decade or so ago. And most of us don't realize the, the harmful effects of the long hours of computer use. When you sit, your back feels of at least two to three times your body weight. Chairs are a modern invention. Our bodies weren't designed to sit down all day. Our eyes weren't designed to stare at a light box all day. And our wrists were certainly not designed to twist when we mouse or type with our arms in a wild L shape. All of these, uh, you know, really can affect your health negatively. And so what are some ways, maybe some practical tips for our listeners that people can combat the negative effects of sitting all day while they're at work? I think that the number one thing that we can do is really interrupt sitting whenever you can. So 30 minutes of exercise is great, but it's, it's not enough. When you need to walk whenever you can, do regular stretches. If you're the kind of person that's just, this is a brand new sort of concept to, you can set an alarm, a regular alarm on your, on your computer, on your phone. Grab a glass of water from the kitchen. If you've got the opportunity, maybe even set walking meetings. Hmm, That's an interesting concept. And so what also can you do when you're away from work, say when you're at home at night or on the weekends? What are some ways that you can kind of counteract the negative effects of the sitting that you maybe have developed over the whole week? Well, I guess one of the big things is that you don't want to just swap the office desk and the office seat for going home and sitting on the couch because you're just going to continue to, com- you know, to compound those, those poor effects. You really need to make sure that we're, 
we're being as active as possible. Maybe if we're lucky enough to be able to walk home or cycle home or get off our public transport a couple of stops earlier, just to encourage a, a whole range of different activity in the day. You really want to be aiming for about 10,000 steps as a sort of an indication of, of, of keeping that sort of activity. And then I think something else we want to do is really sort of look at what do we do in our lifestyle? Maybe maybe our holidays, we could swap those fly and flop holidays for doing something active. We could learn a new skill. We could learn yoga. We could do something good for our bodies and feel good about that. And so another thing that you talked about um, in your article was social eating or drinking. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of companies or maybe some companies, the culture is to um, go to happy hour after work Mm -hmm. or um, maybe during the day, there's a lot of high calorie treats in the break room. So what would be some tips that you could give employees to avoid specifically the second thing I mentioned, which is the, the sugary treats that may be in the break room? Well, look, I mean, it's, it is really difficult. We see a lot of workplaces um, in bringing in these great treats. And it's been, it's been interesting, you know, sort of seeing this transition through workplaces where you, you just went to work and then there were started to be rewards at work. And then we started to notice a pattern of these being, you know, unhealthy, sort of sugary, calorie-laden treats that we all enjoy, but we, we don't sort of limit ourselves. So I think that's probably the first thing is it's about balance, mm-hmm. but it's also about being prepared. You're the only person who's in control of your well-being. If you make sure that if you know that you're going to be one of those people, when you see something sugary and sweet, you have to have it, you're going to have to be prepared. So maybe you could bring some beautiful fresh fruit in that's in season, juicy mangoes, delicious strawberries, something that's going to sort of satisfy that sweet tooth. And that other people might like to share with you really is uh, just about sort of finding that thing that will save your sweet tooth and stop the bulge. (laughs) And that's about kind of preventing the problem before it happens as well. That's right. Let's say that someone does want to indulge every once in a while. How often would you recommend allowing yourself to indulge at work? As I said, the key really is about balance. If it's your birthday and there's a cake, you should have a great big slice. It's your (laughs) birthday. Uh, But if it is someone's birthday every week and there's a big cake, you know, it's going to be okay to say no sometimes. And maybe it's you find that there's something that you really enjoy and you let yourself have a little bit of that. But don't have a bit of everything all the time. And another thing that we come into contact with might be um, coworkers who head to the bar after work or go out to eat after work as a socializing thing. Mm-hmm. With the drinking in particular, what are the health risks associated with this um, regular pattern of drinking after work? So many different uh, you know, risks and association to drinking, especially heavy binge drinking, which we see a lot in the sort of social area where people go out and they'll really consume a lot of drinks over a short period of time. But this consistent behavior can really lead to a dependency on the alcohol. It could lead to significant damage to the brain, the liver, risk of cancer to the mouth, throat, or esophagus. There's neurological disorders, heart problems, emotional problems, depression, problems at home, problems at work. I mean, there really can be a lot of of different impacts from that sort of regular drinking. Never mind, you could drink too much and you might tell your boss what you think of them. It might not be very <laughs> diplomatic. <laughs> and then, you, you know, you will find that you, you're, you're sort of waking up the next day too. You're going to be dehydrated. You're going to be carving that, you're sorry, craving that carb-rich food. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to be in that cycle. It's just going to happen all over again. And it really, this, it's really hard to drink regularly and stick to any sort of health goals. 
And I think um, maybe one of the reasons why people participate is they just enjoy the socializing part um, with mm-hmm. their coworkers. And so are there other ways that you could recommend that you could connect with your coworkers outside of work, maybe more healthy ways of connecting with your coworkers? So this can be difficult. It's become the norm and you can feel alienated if you don't participate in that social drinking. A great way would be a company sports team, perhaps starting a friendly competition with a rival business or even starting an after work walking, running or cycling group. Chances are that others share your healthy interests. Is there a way that you would recommend maybe going about presenting this to your colleagues? Do you kind of go to your HR representative or do you just kind of go around to your different coworkers at their desks and say, you know, I'm interested in starting this after work cycling. Would you be interested? What would be the best way to approach that? Well, I think it would really depend on your individual business and what the company, you know, sort of feelings are towards workplace wellness. It's always great if you can get your HR involved. They're always looking at these sorts of initiatives to reduce absenteeism and improve that workplace, you know, health. But it's always great just to have a chat with your team members as well. Find a supportive colleague and see if you can foster that healthy company spirit. And then one of the last things that can affect you physically, of course, is having high stress levels at work. Mm -hmm. So how exactly do high stress levels have a physical effect on us? So many different ways. You know, when we are really stressed, the muscles tense up all at once with a sudden stress. They sort of tense up. But when we have a chronic stress, the muscles in the body just stay in this like state of guardedness. They're constantly taut, tense, long periods of time. So tension-type headaches, migraine headaches are, are associated with chronic muscle tension in the shoulders, neck, and the head. That's just the muscles. You've got the consistent increase in heart rate, the elevated levels of stress hormones, and blood pressure is elevated. All of this can lead to like hypertension, heart attacks, strokes. It, I mean, it, we don't take it seriously enough. Stress really is a pathway to heart attack, you know. And if you keep that body in the constant fight or flight response, even these, these hormones, the cortisol and adrenaline are always there. The heart's beating faster, respiration rates increase, blood vessels in the arms and legs are dilated, digestive process is changing, sugar energy is changing in the bloodstream. We maintain that weight in the stomach, that a lot of that when you've got that sort of, that's from stress, that's from cortisol and just a constant prolonged, you know, sort of drain on the body. It's not good for you. With such serious uh, health effects, what are some tips maybe for minimizing your stress and as a result, minimizing the physical effects of stress? Well, look, I mean, when it comes to stress, it's really about recognizing that it's happening. I think first off, uh, learning some techniques to deal with that. So might be some meditation or some breathing exercises or taking a walk, whatever it is that when you, you see that that's happening, you really need to identify that because it is so serious. But you also need to manage your, your time at work. You need to have boundaries. You need to say no when you have too much work on your, you know, on your plate. It's your well-being. And, and so regular breaks, regular hours, you know, and all of these things are going to help to reduce that stress. And one of the next steps you could take beyond just yourself, we had mentioned previously maybe going to your HR department and suggesting um, maybe some exercise initiatives or health initiatives for the company. What are some examples of suggestions that an employee could give either his manager or his HR manager to boost the company's overall physical well-being? Well, look, I think that this is a this is a really important conversation to start. You know, you can ask your management, you can ask your boss, you can talk to your HR department about 
what is important to you and, and to your colleagues. And that might be to swap those sugary treats out for some fresh fruit. It might be to change some of those social nights for memberships in a local gym or a yoga series or regular company massages. I mean, these sound like luxuries, but they can really make a huge difference in our, in our well-being, our productivity. We might ask for flexible hours so that we can make time to go to our favorite exercise class on a particular day of the week or you know, a great way to do this, though, is really maybe when you're having a performance review, what's important to you, you can tell them. Or it could be that you've got a feedback or suggestions box, which are great because you can sort of make sure that you put that in there. Maybe encourage your colleagues to do the same if it's important to you all. And if you feel strongly enough about it, you should just approach your manager directly and make a suggestion and start a conversation about workplace wellness. And another thing that uh, management or um, HR professionals may consider is allowing their employees adequate vacation time. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned in your article that uh, taking vacation time is another way that you can improve your health. Why is this so important for your physical health? Well, I think we just talked about all the different impacts that you have when you spend all of this time, you know, sort of sitting at your desk these long hours. By not taking leave, you can really increase the level of burnout, stress-related problems. You know, people often then will find that they're having work life, like family problems. All of this is going to be really bad news for employers because it's going to have people with low productivity. We're going to have more absenteeism. You know, we really need people to be taking that downtime to relax, recuperate, and spend time focused on their well-being so they can be the best for themselves and for the team around them. And so we're actually running a little bit short on time, but I kind of wanted to give you the floor for the last 30 seconds to a minute or so, just to give us some final tips that you may have for employees who are hoping to improve their physical health while they're at work or maybe outside of work. So what final message would you give to our listeners on this topic? I think really take a stand for your health. You know, you need to be taking care of this incredibly precious asset. Don't waste your good health or take it for granted. And really think about the impact that everything you do has on your total well-being and what that's going to mean for you in the future. You can be the best you. You've just got to take control of your own well-being. And with that final word of advice, we will wrap up the show. You've been listening to Employment Notebook with our guest, Samantha Lippiat, discussing how your job can make you unhealthy. Thanks again for sharing your insight on this topic, Samantha. Thank you for having me. And of course, we love to hear from you, the listener, as well. Send your comments on this topic or suggestions for another podcast to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter under at the LJN. Once again, I'm Jenna Konar, and thanks for joining us. 